Let's all stand together tonight. Sing this with me, if you will. So let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all God's people praise the Lord. Shake off those heavy bands. Lift up your hope. tonight is to praise the Lord. Amen. We have a few written requests tonight. We want to remember Sister uh, Ashley Franklin in prayer tonight that's uh, been diagnosed with uh, or has flu symptoms. So we remember her in our prayers also. We want to continue to remember our brother Ron Spencer, uh, Sister Veronica in our prayers, and also little Everly Rose is not feeling well. We remember her and also Sister Bethany. We remember her in our prayers as well tonight and continue to remember uh, Sister Melissa, I know her as Baxter. I can't say her uh, last name now, so we'll know who we're talking about, okay? Amen. If you have something on your heart tonight, just make it known by an uplifted hand. Also, we mentioned a request for friends of my uh, father-in-law, uh, uh, Sister uh, Debbie Swan. She went in for that surgery on Monday, and it was about five or six hours long. They removed as much of the cancer as they could, but they told her they think it has moved into her brain now. So let's let's just remember her in a special way and also her mom has been in the hospital with a big old place on her leg and they had to have surgery for her as well. But just remember them in your prayers tonight. Amen. Brother Jonathan, come if you will and lead us in prayer. When he talks, I remember, but I was supposed to ask uh, my mother-in-law had eye surgery this morning. She's recovering, doing well, so let's remember her in our prayers. Amen. So let's just say a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we love you this evening, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're so humbled to know, Lord, that you each time come on the scene for us, Lord. Lord, in every situation, Lord, in every conflict, Lord, and Lord, every trial, you're just a call away that you answer. You hear us, Lord, and you move upon the scene. And Lord, that's why our faith continues encouragingly growing, Lord. That every time we need something and we ask, and you deliver each and every time. And Lord, we have these needs, Lord, that we've been in prayer for, some for a while, Lord. And some are new. You see each need, Lord. You see each heart. You see each hand that was raised. Lord, we ask you to touch them in a special way tonight, Lord. Lord, let us not let our guard of faith down, but let us hold it strong. Lord, believing for miracles, Lord, believing for overcoming power, Lord, believing for your ability to come up on the scene and once again 
and dissolve all of our situations, Lord. Lord, be with the service tonight, Lord Jesus. Touch it, Lord Jesus. Be in the midst of it, Lord. Take control of it. Be with Brother Mark and the musicians. Anoint them in a special way this evening, Lord. And Lord, our Brother Ben, Lord, as he would come minister tonight, Lord, to Lord, speak the words of eternal life to us, Lord, to encourage us, to help us along life's way, Lord, to lift us closer to you. And Lord, continue to be in prayer for the meetings this weekend, Lord. Touch our pastor as he goes to minister in the tent and the others, Lord, that, Lord, you just have your way, Lord, and we would receive so many testimonies of miracles from it. Lord, we ask you to be with us, Lord. Touch us, receive your worship. In your lovely name we pray. Amen. Amen. And the youth is leaving Friday morning at 8 sharp. Brother Mark hit it Sunday. I heard him because I listened. 8.05, you're going to get left. We're leaving at 8 o'clock, so make sure you're here early when we get the luggage loaded up and go. So thank you all so much. God bless you. Let's have a service. Just in case he didn't make it clear. It's not be here, it's leave. Leave at 8 o'clock, okay? So be here before, as our brother said. And we're, I've just been praying that the Lord will move in those services in a supernatural way. That his presence will come like if never before. And there'll be a, a, people when they leave say, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us? And I'm just looking for miracles. Also, we got our upcoming meetings in August. Don't forget those that the Lord will just be in those as well for our anniversary meetings. Amen. Let's sing this together. I think it's uh, Key of G. Well, this world is not my home. Well, I am just passing through. And my treasures, they are laid up. Somewhere beyond the blue And the angels beckon me From heaven's open door And I can't feel at home In this world anymore And oh Lord you know That I have no friend like you If heaven If heaven 
saints on every hand will be shouting victory. The songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can feel at home in this world anymore. Sing it with me now. Don't you feel that way? I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. Let's sing this. Give me that. Oh, once like a bird in prison, I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and he listened to me. Oh, and glory to God. He I've been to the river, I've been baptized, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been changed from this creature that I once was, and redeemed is now my name. Well, I've been changed, I am new. 
All my life it has been rearranged. Oh, what a difference it made when the Lord came to say in my heart, oh yes, I've been changed. Though my sins, they were scarlet, they're white as snow. I was bound, but today I am free. Oh, I was lost in the darkness, but now I am found. And I was blind, but now I see. When I've been changed, I am newborn now. All my life has been In my heart, oh yes, I've been changed. Now when at last in His presence I stand above, He will wipe every tear from my eyes. And I'll thank Him for giving a wretch like me a new home beyond the sky. That's where it matters is in the heart. Not in my head, but in my heart I've been changed. Praise the Lord. Let's sing this. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. Say that and really mean it with all your heart. He's never failed me yet. He's never failed me yet. Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And everywhere I go, I want the whole world to know Jesus Christ has never failed me yet. And Jesus, he never fails. Jesus, he never fails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus never fails.
Jesus never fails. And he's never failed me yet. I don't know about you. He might have said no a few times, but I needed it. Amen. Some of God's greatest gifts, as the song said, is unanswered prayers. Amen. We don't know what we're asking for sometimes. Amen. Let's sing this. Key of love. Let's try it in G. And Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Oh, and Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. Oh, and how can I forget what you've done for me? And how can I forget how you set me free? How can I forget how you brought me out? Oh, how can I forget? No, never. Oh, and he's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. No, no. Well, he's done so much for me, and I cannot tell it all. He has taken all my sins away. Let's sing that again. Well, he's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. No, no, I cannot tell it all. He has done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He has taken all my sins away. And every promise in the book is mine. Every promise, every chapter, every verse, every line. never fails and every promise in the book is ours tonight one more song let's sing this in deep
Amen. How many have made your decision? There's no turning back. I'm going all the way, all the way with the Lord. Amen. We'll let you have your seats tonight as our ushers come and receive the evening offering. Uh, Brother Joseph, I found out what's been going on with the song service. The musicians let me know that that clock back there is not two minutes, but it's four minutes slow. So I've been starting late and ending late, so it's not my fault. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to do a special. <laughs> and Sister Audrey here, her daughter, one of them will sing for us tonight. But also, our pastor is going to be celebrating his birthday coming up next Tuesday. And I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to announce it. Or, so I want to do it tonight. Why don't we just stand and give him just an ovation and a happy birthday tonight. Happy birthday, my brother. He does have me there. He always says, you're older. So I am. I'm, I'm old tonight. Sister Audrey, come right ahead and, and sing for us tonight, if you will. Tried to do this on my own. I thought I didn't need you. I tried to take the control right out of your hand. step I take without you I always stumble and fall God I'm at the point where I need to let my pride Every moment's precious 
chains of sin so why am i comparing myself to you you're the one who died on calvary bore all my sins now i am now free why am i trying to measure up to you because true the problem with the world today they think they can make it without him and they turn to everything else but him and they soon find out that that don't that's not the cure there's only one thing that's the cure and that's jesus christ amen the light of the world and he's in front of them every day and they can't see him so blind in the little blades of grass but all they see is their bones and things that's happening on there but amen he is the light of the world we love him tonight, don't we? Let's stand together, if you will, as we invite our uh, pastor to introduce our brother Ben tonight. And, uh, let's sing us the key of F. <clears throat> be in prayer for our pastor, too. That's going to be quite the task uh, to preach in a tent meeting, and it's 97 but feels 207. So it'll take all the energy that you can muster up to to deliver. So just remember him in a special way this week in your prayers, if you will. I believe that you're my healer. And I believe that you I believe you're my portion and I believe that you're my portion I believe you're more than Lift your hands up and worship him. Thank you Jesus I feel his presence oh, in this place Oh Jesus you're
horses. And I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough for me. Oh, and Jesus, you're all I He's all that we need. On the way to church, and I was playing a message today, and normally when the message is paused, the prophet's picture comes up with the pillar of fire behind it. And I pointed to the picture in the, in the truck while I was driving. I said, honey, that light, that is God. The Logos that went out of God. That was even before creation. That God has so chosen in this generation to revisit us. This was before man was even brought into his mortal form. That same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. Hallelujah. And the only form that we know God in is in Jesus Christ. He's the mystery of God revealed. The very form of God was in that flesh. But he went back to that pillar of fire. And praise God he's back in the church again. Not just in one person, not just in the prophets, but in all of us. God now dwelling in this church. And what a blessing it is to live in an age. We are challenged in this age. We are so challenged in this age. We are challenged. I want to read this to you. I'm not preaching tonight, but just just burning my heart. I'm going to go ahead and say, proving his word, just feasting on this today. Brother Bram said, Noah was sent to a scientific age. With an unscientific message. Noah was sent to an intellectual age with an unintellectual message. He was sent to an age of science when he had a message of faith and promise to a scientific age. So could you believe that? Scientific age, would you would you would believe an unscientific message? Praise God. And I think about the church tonight. We let me just take that just a little, a little, a little step further. We are sent into a religious world with a genuine faith to be genuine believers, because the whole world is religious. Just like he was sent to a scientific age with a message of faith, God has sent the bride in this age, a genuine bride in the midst of all the religion. Praise God against all odds, but by God's grace, we're going to make it. Hallelujah. What a promise God's given us. I'm so, so, so looking forward to hearing Brother Ben uh, tonight. And I'm so excited coming to church uh, just uh, to hear the word of God. So I just want you to be free in the spirit tonight. Whatever God has to say to us, Lord, just tell us what you have to say. We still believe in the divine providence of God that he knows all of our needs. And he's able to speak to all of us. So we just certainly love you. Put your hands together as we introduce God's servant, Brother Ben Norwood. God bless you, saints. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Everybody happy? Amen. If you have your Bible this evening, I'd like to jump right into the scripture. Amen. And get right into the message tonight. Certainly say thank you to the musicians and... 
to Brother Mark for their service, getting us ready for the Word of God. Amen. I'm certainly looking forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. And uh, as I told you some weeks ago, I took years of files, thousands, and I went, shh, delete. So everything you're getting tonight is hot off the press. Amen. I, 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 you get into a routine sometimes, and I told the Lord, I don't want to be in a routine. I want to press myself. And I think the Bible said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That means sometimes you've got to be aggressive when it comes to the things of God. And so I'm happy to be able to open the Bible tonight, amen, and feast on fresh kill, aren't you? Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12. I want to say thank you to Brother Joseph for allowing us to come and have this time tonight. Certainly, please be praying and holding the brethren up this weekend, our pastor and the other ministers for the services in South Carolina. We do plan on being there, the Norod family, God willing, and uh, in company with you to support and pull on the word of the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. The year I was supposed to preach down there, uh, two Septembers, I think it was ago, uh, that was the very day I was supposed to preach was the morning I went into the hospital with COVID. And, uh, you know, the thing liked to kill me when I was in there. So this is kind of my kick in the face of the devil of nanny, nanny, you missed me. <laughs> Amen. So I, I'm going to be celebrating a little bit myself riding up the road for God's healing power. Matthew 23, verse 11. But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Look at this word, humble. Bring down one's pride to have a modest opinion of oneself, to behave in an unassuming manner, devoid of all haughtiness. Good God, if message people don't need to hear that one again. We've gotten to be the elitist around the religious ranks, you know, the top of the top, the high tiers of it all. Now, just to kind of piggyback that, I want to read to you from a message called The Queen of Sheba. Listen to what Brother Bram says. You may have heard this before, recently, very recently. Many of you church members sitting here, you members of the church, That's professing Christianity and living an upside-down life. A friend of mine told me this would make a good sermon, so I thought I'd give it a whirl. (laughs) That's what I want to speak to you tonight on, an upside-down life. Let's pray over the Word. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for the opportunity to come into your house. Lord, it's a privilege every time them doors open, and we get to come in here and gather in fellowship with the saints of God. And Lord, we come to what your prophet called the sincere side, the important part of the service. Lord, we are yielding ourselves for service to the people, service to you, that you would speak expressly through thy word. Lord, that you would come and not only anoint me, but anoint them. Lord, may we be anointed by thy presence together, that we can receive all that you would speak. Lord Jesus, we know that as we come through the midweek, Satan will try everything in the world to hinder us from this special, wonderful little midweek service. Lord, our Wednesday nights are so very special to all of us. 
Lord God, we pray that you'd let just a little extra special something from you fall into our hearts tonight. Lord, just get us ready for the weekend revival and help us now to receive in all things as we commit it to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the saints said, Amen. You may be seated. May the Lord bless you. Certainly happy to be a Christian tonight. And we, uh, we're so grateful to the Lord for all of the wonderful outpourings that he's been given here in the local church. I've, you know, I've spent July with you, God willing. I, I, I got just um, a little time left before I have to hit the road again and, uh, and go. But, you know, it's been nice being here at the local church and getting to feast actually in person on the messages rather than try to catch up otherwise. And uh, I've certainly appreciated the way the Lord's been speaking and, you know, it puts an evangelist in kind of a tough spot when uh, you've got a pastor that basically preaches everything in the message and doesn't leave you too many loopholes. And so you really got to study hard when you've got a good pastor like that. And, uh, and by the way, I'm glad we got a pastor that allows us to wear short sleeves. We're going to need that doctrine this weekend. Amen. Amen. I was thinking about that on the way to church. You know, I, I, I know he believes in holiness, but thank God not that kind of holiness. I, I, I'm appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, we, we come into a spot with the message of the hour to, the Bible said no new thing under the sun, isn't it right? The Bible, the message is something that shouldn't be foreign to us, strange to us. There's really nothing at this stage of the game, as we say, that a, a preacher could preach that you shouldn't be acquainted with in some way or another. If you're a Bible reader or you have some understanding of the message of the hour, most of these things are, are repetitive in terms of you've heard them. But what we listen for when a man will read a scripture or quote a quote or a group of quotes or scriptures that maybe we haven't heard just in that way. You know, we may have heard the scripture, but we're listening for God to interpret his word to us for where we're living right now. For our circumstances, conditions, and all of the things that are surrounding us right now. This present exact moment and all of the things that you might be going through, turmoils or whatever more. The Holy Spirit can take the same scripture you've read a thousand times and use that and apply it right in a situation where you're at right this very moment. And I'm thankful it's that way because it tells us that the Bible and the message and things are not just encyclopedias that you find on a bookshelf store somewhere, but it is the holy, living, breathing Word of God. Amen. It's thus saith the Lord to you and I. And we look at the Scripture in a way of inspiration, of being inspired by the truth of God to know not only where we stand, where we've come from, where we're going, but to know exactly our position in all of this economy of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my time here on earth just wandering around aimlessly, wondering about this or that. I want to know my position and where Christ would be pleased with me in all things. And position is a great thing. When we preach on adoption, we preach on the placing of a son, we preach about the, the importance of knowing where God is going to put your feet. If you're Ephraim, Manassas, or whatever part of the body you are, amen, the place that God places you is the very spot he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. But there's one thing, one constant that goes throughout the entire body of Christ. In spite of whether or not it be a person will say that uh, 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 is a preacher or a musician or a factory worker or whatever they are. They might have different callings in life and positions in life might be different here or there. But one thing is absolutely positive. Every member of the body of Christ 
will have humility. The first thing that Christ gives you when you get saved is humility. Now when you meet someone that's got such an arrogant attitude, an arrogant spirit on them that they, you know, they just grace you with their presence. You know right then you're not dealing with someone that's very spiritual at all. Because if you can ever recognize how low you really were and how low he had to reach to get a hold of you. Come on, somebody. It so should put you in a mind of saying, God, of all of the billions of people in this world, you thought of me. You picked me up out of the muck, out of the mire. You pulled me right out of the very bottom of the scum of the earth and showed your love to me. Now, the fact that only half of you are saying amen proves that I need to preach this tonight, evidently. <laughs> because we have to see ourselves in the right kind of light, don't we? We can't see ourselves in this elitist way that we've built ourselves up around the message of the hour. Come on. Oh, we're so holy and so great and so wonderful. And we've elevated ourselves until what? Our churches are full of all kinds of mess. Our families are full of mess. We're full of all kinds of issues. And yet we still try to pump ourselves even higher and higher and higher. We get insulted when somebody might use the word sinner when they're talking to us. We get insulted if a man would have an altar call. We get insulted if somebody preaches on salvation. Well, you might as well say amen. Right. Why? Because we have lost our direction. We have figured that the way up is up. And actually the way up is down. And many church members, because of it, are upside down. And living an upside down life. Well, I'm glad you're all so happy tonight. We're going to have church for sure. Now, now listen to this in the Queen of Sheba. I'm going to read it to you one more time. Brother Ram was talking about church members. Notice that again. He said, you members of the church professing Christianity. So these weren't just people off the street, Brother Jonathan. These wasn't people uh, that you just pull out of the bar rooms or out of the honky-tonks. These were professing Christians, professing believers, living an upside-down life. A life that was directionally going the wrong way. Because you see, the prophet told us that like a girl, for example, could get saved, full of the Holy Ghost, get born again. Maybe she was someone that cut her hair and she had maybe short hair. But after a period of time, he said that hair will grow out and she'll see herself in the mirror how beautiful her hair looks. And he said if she ain't careful, she'll get a spirit of pride on her. Long hair, uncut hair, with pride all over. Directional problems, upside down. It's the very same way he said with young ministries. He said God will go to blessing them. He'll bless the meetings and and pour out his blessing. He said if that man ain't careful, he'll start thinking he's the one that's causing all that. Praise the Lord. Three things, I read him say it today. Three things that all God's children get in trouble with. Money, women, and popularity. Preachers especially, he said. It goes to prove that our only safe place is in humility before God. If we're not careful, we'll get so upside down that we'll think we're the only ones that can get saved. That our church is the only one that has revelation. That our pastor is the only one that preaches it right. We in Murfreesboro are just a pebble 
on a very, very big beach. But folks get this elitist mentality. Oh, do you know who my pastor is? You mean one of the body? One of the members of the church? Do you know who will our church? Do you know who goes to our church? Brother Bam would say it like this. The mayor of the city goes to our church. Well, so I don't know the way we preach around here. You may have a hard time getting the mayor around. But <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you understand the reason why this attitude exists among people. Because the devil knows that if you want to cripple the church of the living God. Just get them upside down. All the power, all the glory, all the manifestation, all that comes with Christ disappears once we become less than humble. Praise be to God. Oh my, thank you Jesus. Now listen, there's a message called Three Witnesses. Be humble. Let yourself be the lowest of all. Now, you see, the real competition I'd like to see amongst our people is a competition to see who can get to be the lowest. Right. Folks are always racing to see who can be the biggest, the best, That's right. the greatest. That's right. <laughs> Come on now. But in, in this situation here, spiritually speaking, Brother Pat, how great would it be if we all raced to see who could become the lowest? Right. Oh. Mm, thank you, Lord. Don't ever exalt yourself. If you do, you're going to become abased. It's just like the, the Murphy's Law. Whatever bad's going to happen is going to happen. Like any other law, law of electricity, name whatever law you want. This is a law and a principle of God's written word. The moment a human being exalts themselves, automatically a law kicks in that drives them right down to the very foundation. Whether or not, I don't care if it's the greatest preacher on the message. The minute they become exalted, the law, just like you flip that switch and the light comes on, the law kicks in and they start going the wrong way the moment they start this direction. Mm-mm. My, thank you, Lord. Notice he says, humble yourself and God will lift you up. Don't figure that God owes you anything. Remember, you owe him all. I got to think about this today, Brother Joseph. I thought, you know how strange it is that we watch ourselves so carefully, monitor ourselves, and govern ourselves for that thing of pride and exaltation when it comes to everybody else except for God. We go to him sometimes, as I'm sure. Unless I've been around this thing 32 years. I know the stories in the back rooms. How that people will go to God and pray, well, Lord, I'm the bride. Don't you realize what you're doing? You're exalting yourself to the exalted one. When we should approach him and say, Lord, I'm just so grateful you woke me up this morning. I'm so grateful you let my eyes come open. That you put health in my body. I might be struggling with this or struggling with that. But, Lord, I approach you as a God that don't owe me anything. I'm just grateful that you decide to help me. What a different attitude it is from some of the things I hear where people will go to God quoting to him. Now, Lord, the prophet said, and the prophet said, and the Bible said. What kind of an attitude to come to the one who wrote it? That's the kind of thing we should be so careful of getting involved in this attitude of God owes me something. And 
where was that written? What part of the Bible was that in again? What quote? When did Brother Brown preach that? Probably after the seal somewhere, right? Uh Uh-huh. Nowhere can any Christian say that because I am who I am, be it bride, whatever you might be, you can never go to God and say, you owe me something. Brother Bram had that attitude one time. That little girl that had uh, went out there and almost drowned when she was a, a, a kid. Now here she is having a baby and she becomes toxic in her blood and she almost dies herself and God spares her life, brings the mother and the father back into the tabernacle. He said they were some of these ones Brother Joseph had been preaching on that just kind of slouch in and out of church every now and then. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. Right, he said, but then all of a sudden she tells her mother, I'm going home. The mother rejoicing said, of course. They're going to release you today or tomorrow sometime. She said, no, mama, I'm going to my heavenly home. She died. The prophet of God said he went back to Jesus and said, you owe me an understanding. And how y'all reckon that went? I'll quote his words so I don't put mine in there, okay? He said, he let me pout around for about six months. (laughs) Woo! Anybody ever been in them pouting stages? (laughs) In impotent places, amen, where you've done messed up and spoke the wrong thing and you know that daddy ain't happy with you. Come on, preach to me now. He said if I would have approached him with the right attitude, he would have shown me from the beginning that she should have died all those years ago but wasn't ready to go. So I waited till she was ready before I took her home. But his attitude was upside down. Oh, you say, Brother Ben, you shouldn't say that about Brother Bradham. Why? He did. I'm just saying what he said. And that wasn't the only time he got upside down. There were many other cases where Brother Bradham got too big for his britches. And God had to deal with him. Okay, I'll give you a case that you're looking at me. In Minneapolis, he stood up there and there was a blind girl. There was four or 5,000 people there, Pastor. And Brother Bradham made a challenge and said, blind eyes, come open. And said she stood there stone blind and he walked off defeated. You know what he learned from that? He said, I found out that I was making a challenge that not even Jesus, the Son of God himself made. He never commanded nor demanded. He always said, if thou canst believe. How many times did we see this in the Bible? Men that would think more of themselves and what they should if them great men of God did that. You and I aren't immune from this. Come on, don't you look at me like that. We are not immune from this spirit right here. Especially in the day and age we live in where flesh is so exalted, where where social media and influencers, they call them, have so influenced the minds of people until the least little thing you do can make you popular. I've seen some of the stupidest stuff on social media that's considered great. Millions of people follow them. Somebody knows how to make a basket better than somebody else. And they become an influencer. I think, my God, what's wrong with people's brains? (laughs) Praise the Lord. But notice the attitude. Don't figure that God owes you anything. 
What an attitude we could come before Him if we kept this in our minds. When we're praying, when we're singing, when we're playing, when we're preaching, when we're living, when we're mothering, when we're fathering, when we're whatever we are, if we keep that focus in our heart, how much quicker would Jesus be willing to answer our prayers and move on our behalf if we had that kind of attitude 24-7? Let me tell you something, young people. If you want to be the kind of men and women that grow up to be real godly people, this right here is what you need to apply to your life right here. Humility before anything else. Humility will cause you to seek first the kingdom of God. Humility will cause you to pray before you start liking that boy or girl. Humility will cause you to think it over, consider God's word, and talk to godly leadership before you make any kind of decision, college or whatever it might be. Humility will cause you to wait before the Lord Jesus gives you his word. Whether it's yes or whether it's no. Humility will allow you to say, God, if it's no, no is still an answer. And I'm okay with no. You realize there are people in this truth that follow this message that could not accept a no from God, Brother Joseph. They couldn't do it. They could not do it. God tell them no, and they will fight. They will lie. They will manipulate, do everything in the world. They'll have all kinds of spiritual dreams and visions. Just to make that a yes. But brother, if God said no, it's no. Amen. Humility will make us knock down to that. And say, Lord, if that's your will, then that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And what was the first thing that got Satan? Anybody? Anybody? Right. Directional problems. Upside down. In one place, you know, Satan got tired of being considered the associate pastor. Praise the Lord. He wanted his own deal, his own thing. He wanted to become the BMOC, the big man on campus. He took a look at himself and realized, I'm brighter than them all. I got more ability than them all. And God made him that way. But he allowed him such free moral agency until Satan could choose to stay humble or to exalt himself. Because the Bible said he exalted himself above the stars of God. And Brother Bram said he preached to him. God of this evil age, he said he preached to him. Sons of God, angels. And he preached a, such a beautiful kingdom gospel. Oh my. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen again in Redeemer Redemption. So just see how little and how simple you can live before God, before God now. If you want to get anything, sure. Now, this doesn't mean you can't have a fine home or a fine car or strive for an education or strive to better yourself in some way. But when you're living before God, don't think that that million-dollar paycheck or that hundred-dollar paycheck means that much to God. It don't mean nothing to Him. And that big house and that fancy attire and all these other great things that could come with the well-to-do in this life, it means absolutely nothing. When you are standing next to the man who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Glory to God who could create wealth beyond price. With just one spoken word, he could create so much wealth it would be ridiculous. (laughs) 
So see how little you can live. In Pergamum, uh, church age, Brother Bradley says, be little in the sight of God. But be little in your own sight too. But you know, sometimes we get this thing on us. Well, you know, that wasn't half bad, was it? Well, I did a good job on that certain, certain thing. Or I was able to pull that off. I tell you what, I bet you I'm the best in the country. Now, anybody that knows anything about fighting, I used to take a martial arts when I was a boy. I was getting beat up all the time, so my dad put me in a place to try to help me to learn to defend myself. <laughs> so, if you learn anything about fighting, you always realize no matter how bad you think you are, they always someone better. Preach Believer's Tabernacle. Right, and that's what we must always keep in our focus. No matter how much God may bless us, we've always got to be conscious of our littleness. Because you see, that's one reason I believe David wasn't afraid of Goliath. Because everybody was looking at his size. But David was concentrating on God's size. He knew Jesus. He knew Jehovah God was much bigger, hallelujah, than Goliath ever was. Amen. And notice it was a little stone, little sling that took down the big thing. Humility will always trump over the big stuff we try to do. It's not the big things we try to accomplish. It's the little things we leave undone. Little foxes spoil the vine. Amen. Oh, I love that. He said, that's right, everybody else is above you. Let him that's greatest among you be minister of all. And you know, this is something that preachers have a hard time with. They think because they're called to preach that actually they believe the people are there to serve them. That's very contrary. We are not called for you to serve us. It is our calling as ministry to serve you. You're not my servant, I'm yours. Praise God. You remember my message last year sometime on the angels of the Lord, how that they're like waiters and waitresses? That's what we are. We're waiters. You need something from God? Just call on the waiter. I'm happy to serve you. Amen. There's plenty of waiters around here that's happy to be in the service of God at the table of the Lord, serving the elect. Right? Now notice this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, now the apostle Paul is getting ready to write a thank you note, if you will, to the Philippians. Now, now, now some even consider the book of Philippians to be geared toward like a thank you letter. I could say a thank you card or something where someone's done something for you, send a thank you card. The Philippian people had so poured out of their, of their living and their life and their substance to the Apostle Paul But history tells us that some things had kind of gotten their way, persecutions and whatever more, and they didn't have, as he'll say in a moment, the opportunity to serve Paul like they once did. But then, you know, God makes a way for them to be able to serve God's man. Now watch what he says here in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now that last, at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were all so careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Woo! Preach, Brother Ben. Or I should say, preach, Brother Paul. (laughs) This is something that we must understand is much bigger than we ever give give weight to it. Being content 
is so much of an important lesson. If you want to be a Christian, you're going to have to learn to be content with some things. I am content with the fact I will probably never be a professional athlete. I am content with the fact that I'm probably always going to be a dorky, goofy, nerdy little musician. I'm fine with that. I am content with the fact that I'm probably never going to be some big, great, handsome, you know, uh, uh, Tom Cruise or some of that. I'm okay with that. I figure I am what I am by the grace of God. But you know, some people just aren't content with nothing in life, Brother Matt. It doesn't matter what's going on around them. They're just not content. They always want more. But listen at Paul. Listen at the lesson he gives us. He says, oh, I know how both to be abased and I know how to abound. Amen. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. You see, Paul wasn't picky. If he went to somebody's home and they invited him to his home and they didn't have the best of the best laid out and they had to eat a meal that they might have found someone's hair in. Paul didn't complain. Paul didn't kick up a fuss. Paul took the hair, stuck it in his napkin, smiled and kept on eating. You've been overseas. You know what I'm talking about. Many times you have to sometimes um, bite your tongue. I know that's a very spiritual term tonight. I hope you can get your mind wrapped around it. But sometimes you just got to shut up. (laughs) Not talk, not say anything. Just learn to be content. Glory to God. You know, it would work that way in a church sometimes. Well, I don't like the music. It's too loud. It's too soft. I don't like them fast songs. I don't like them slow songs. That might be a good time to practice the art of shut up. You know, it's not an easy thing to perform, and I don't mean that in the way of Hollywood, but to perform as these folks have to get into the action and the maneuvering and this mindset and the anointing of making what they do up here work for you. And if you don't know the burden, shut up. You can't help them, be quiet. Be content. Woo, praise the Lord. Where was that in my notes? Pastor, did you slip something in there? Now you see, when the Holy Ghost is moving upon a minister, there are many times I'm not content with how you behave. Not you necessarily, but I mean people. I know they should be a lot louder than what they are. And then sometimes when they're loud, I know they should be quiet. But you know what I have to learn to do? Be content. People are what they are. And you've got to accept them in all their little queer and strange and odd ways. You can't make nobody be nothing. They are who they are. Amen. Amen. But contentment would bring such peace, harmony. If we could just learn to be full and hungry at the same time. Well, I've enjoyed preaching at Believer's Tabernacle. (laughs) been a good run. Thank you. (laughs) Amen. Ain't nobody about no rocks tonight. tonight. You're going to show me, are you? (laughs) 
All right, now watch this now. He says, I can do all things. We know this by heart, right? I can do all things. Even be quiet. Even be content. Oh, it just burns me up. I've got to say something. I just can't take it anymore. You just should do I can do all things through Christ. It would help us a lot to learn to just go with the flow a little bit. We live in an age of deadly anxiety. Nerves. People live under fear all the time. The least little thing happens, Brother Joseph. They get scared. We're going to go to hell. We're we're on our way. I, I, I can guarantee you. Some of the churches I preach in, when you walked in the believer's tabernacle around Christmas time, there are some that would have to have heart medication with them to get through one service. I, I was preaching to someone other, and I mentioned about, you know, how wonderful the job the young people did. Brother Jonathan and, and, and all of them, Sister Audrey and the rest, and Mark and everybody. How, how, and I don't mean to leave anybody out, all, all of you. How wonderful they've done with the singing and the skit. And I mentioned that, and this brother spoke up and said, You mean to tell me? Brother Joseph lets them have Christmas plays? I said, yeah. He goes, well, why would he do such a thing as that? I said, because the prophet said, if you want to make one, do it about Christ, and that's good enough for me. Praise the Lord. Only about a third of you not clapping out there. You don't know how to react to that, do you? You're practicing that shut up thing. That might be good. (laughs) Now notice, amen. But he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notice in the English Standard Version, listen how clear it makes this. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And now that I'm speaking, I'm being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound and in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance and need that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Hallelujah. So the secret of contentment is to humble yourself down and say, without him I can do nothing, but through him I can do all things. You can be a mother, you can be a father, you can deal with that kid that won't mind, you can deal with that Alzheimer mother or that Alzheimer father, you can deal with that cancer situation on and on and on. You can do, I can do all things. Now watch this in the Pergamon church age. But the devil I'll let you read it. (laughs) But the devil is not content. So when you see people that lack contentment, Brother Jonathan, you know what's working on them. It ain't God. 
The devil is working on them when they're just not. I'm not talking about a personal desire to be close to the Lord or some desire, a vision God's put in your heart. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But when you get something from God and it's still not good enough, Satan has never been satisfied though he has taken, according to Brother Ram's own words, billions of people to hell. He is still not satisfied. You know, you can see that in the way that people handle money. Hope your pocketbook is saved tonight because I'm coming after you right now. They get a certain paycheck. You know, they see the way somebody's living next to them or somebody, they cannot be content. They will almost bankrupt themselves to try to get into a spot or a position or a place to where that they can appear to be rich or wealthy or the greatest of the great. You know, I'm I'm an amateur carpenter, sheet rocker, electrician, just enough to be deadly. (laughs) And I'm a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to those things and I used to get so aggravated doing renos on my house and upgrading. I I wanted that line perfect. I'd watch every YouTube video. I would order books. I would practice. And I still would bobble at some point. And I learned one thing's for sure. Caulk was some of the things that God sent down from heaven for those that didn't know how to cut a straight line. He invented caulk. He moved on somebody to invent caulk. But looking at the, at the way things are, you know, a person that's got obsessive compulsive, OCD, you know, somebody's got to want everything just perfectly that way. It's got to be exactly straight. I, I know a, a certain individual that testified one time many years ago, Brother Jonathan Amber knows who I'm talking about. And he was at work and as he, there was this one little part of, a, of one of them old-fashioned overheads that was just a little bit tilted. He said, I went to 30 meetings. That thing drove me nuts until I brought tools to fix it. So when you have that kind of personality and you want everything to be exactly perfect, if you don't mix that kind of thing with humility, you are asking for a world of trouble to come your way. Because, brother, no matter how God does it, it ain't always going to be to your liking or suiting your, your particular taste. And sometimes you just got to accept it the way God gives it. Woo! Preach, brother Ben. Oh, come on, somebody. It may not have been the way you wanted it, but let God cut the line. Praise the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5. Now, Paul says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Y'all ready? You ready? But godliness with contentment is great. He didn't just say gain. He had to really put a little extra on that. Great gain. And if you look at the word contentment that he uses here, it means a mind contented with its lot. 
I've met plenty of people that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. They make choices based upon what they think their abilities are. And that, my friend, is nothing but pride in a little veil. He's got a mask on. When he whispers to you, you can do a better job. Do you see the way they sang that song? You can sing that better. You could do that a better job. Oh, don't you think the devil don't talk to people like myself or somebody else that's singing a certain song? You'll notice with me if they could be as out of tune and off tune as it gets. I'm going to rejoice because they're singing the word. And I don't rejoice and I don't jump and shout and amen and praise the Lord because every part of the pitch is on. I do it because there's a blessing laying in what's being sung. Not necessarily how it's being sung. Sometimes people sing in a way that the words are a greater blessing than they are. (laughs) Well, anyways, praise the Lord. Moving on. But pride will get inside the heart of people. And they'll get in their mind that they cannot be contented with where they are. Hollywood is making one movie after another filled with people just like this. Some little guy that's always being pushed around. Then he becomes some great super deal. Right, they push this agenda upon the Laodiceans. That's why we've got to be trained under a different anointing, friends. Now, notice this. My, in Acts chapter 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. You ever get like that, Pastor, when you see the sins of the people? The sins of the group and the, you just your spirit just gets something inside you, stirs. How can people look upon the age we live in and something not stir within them? They lack the Holy Ghost, that's my opinion. He saw the whole city given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. And certain philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him. Some said, what will this babbler say? And others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Now, you know, this group that he meets, the Stoics, is a very interesting philosophy that comes along with this group. The basics of Stoicism goes like this. They teach the development of self-control. And fortitude is a means of overcoming destructive emotions. The philosophy that they hold, becoming a clear and unbiased thinker, allows one to understand the universal logos. Well, here's where I'm going to insert. We got a lot of message stoics. Because the philosophy is, if I study Brother Branham, if I study the Bible, if I go to church, if I learn what the preacher says, if I do my very best to obey all the rules, I can become a self-controlled overcomer. And you know what the real basics of Stoicism is? Pride. I can control me. I can take care of me. I can keep myself from being a bad person. 
I couldn't keep myself from being born in sin. So how am I going to control myself? Because I learned quotes, or I learned the message, or I learned the Bible. Woo, praise the Lord. Oh, I didn't realize there were so many Stoics sitting here tonight. I'd have packed this section a little fuller if I'd have known that. But you say, but Brother Ben, we're supposed to exercise our self-will. Our self-will is supposed to be yielded to the will of God. We have no control over our self-will if we're Christians. Your anger. Brother Ram said, go pray. If you got a bad temper, sweeten it with prayer. But I got news for you. Only the Holy Ghost will be able to control temper, lust, pride, lying, and all these other things like that. And absent the Holy Ghost, there is no way that you could bring self-control to you. Because whether we like to admit this or not, we are out of control without Jesus. Now this group of men that met Paul, no doubt they had this attitude of, well, if we're thinking in a manner, so to speak, where we, we can see trouble coming down the road. And as we study Logos, we'll become more in control and control and control. Where have you heard that term Logos before? Same reason a lot of people think that if they study the message Logos, if they study the Logos of the Word, that they can control their families, their churches, their homes, their hearts, their minds, their thoughts, their passions, and everything else. Let me go on record and say, you can't. Hallelujah and praise the Lord. I said, you can't. It's impossible. But to be any other way, is to exercise self-control. Oh, and by the way, do you know the philosophy of Satanism, devil worshipers, is the very same thing. They believe that the best way to live your life is not, they don't really, Satan worshipers don't even really worship a spirit called the devil. They don't believe in that. You see any of that other kind of stuff like that? That's not but a bunch of fantastics. Real demon worshipers, real devil worshipers as they call themselves, believe in one thing. They are God. They control their destiny. They control their future. They control their emotions. And that they are really God and the devil all mixed up in the same person. What a deceptive lying thing. And people in this message have done the same thing. They exalt themselves above quotes. They exalt themselves above the Bible. They exalt themselves above their pastor. They exalt themselves above the ministry. They exalt themselves above the word of God to take what they think over what the word of God says. They're nothing but a bunch of modern day devil worshipers and Stoics. <laughs> Woo! James chapter 1, verse 22. Can I get a little bit more of your time? Thank you very much. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 22. Mark cut it short so I'd have more time, I think, anyway. So I appreciate that. I, amen. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Wow. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. 
For he beholdeth himself, goeth his way, and straightforward forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. How many wants that? Now, do you know that the customs of some of this, when James was writing this, this was the way that they looked into the glass. Now, most of us walk up like this, upright. We're looking into a mirror in the bathroom or something in your dressing room or uh, your, 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 your bedroom, I mean, or your dresser. And you're standing there looking at the mirror like this. But when James writes this, they didn't stand up to see themselves. Actually, to see in the mirror, they had to kneel down and stoop all the way to the ground so they could get a look at what they look like. So they was almost flat on their stomach. Then they would stand back up. When James writes this passage, that is the custom he's referring to. So if anyone wants to be a doer of the word and not a forgetful hearer and a doer, then in order to see yourself right, you got to get down really low to the ground. And you got to do it over and over and over and over and over again. Continually, you have to continue to kneel in the presence of God. That's why I come here. I want to be this kind of man. And I believe we've got ministry here. I believe there's people here that want what I'm preaching right now. I don't want to go all of these years, this life of service I've tried to give to the Lord and come to the end of the road and have nothing to show for it but pride. God, just kill me right now before that ever happens. I want to humble myself down so that I can see myself in the right view. Not up here like this. But down low. Amen. Praise be to God. Anybody want that? Oh my. On the wings of a snow white dove, God respects humility. If you could stop and say for a moment to yourself, does God respect me? I thought of this this afternoon when I was putting this quote into the notes. I thought, of all the things that he could say about me, if I asked him, Brother Joseph, God, do you respect me? If I've got the right kind of humility, do you understand Jesus could answer us? Yes. I respect you greatly. And to have his respect is better than anybody's respect. So if anybody be absent of humility, he does not respect you. Though you may quote, though you may pay tithes and offerings and come to church and whatever you might do. If you lack humility, God does not respect you. Mm -mm. Harvest time. That's just like the world. Always trying to compare. Don't compare with the things of the world. Don't compare with churches. Compare with the Bible. This is your looking glass. 
but to see it correctly. You don't look up here. You got to get way down here. You got to stoop way down in order to see yourself correctly in this word. Many ideas that you and I might have, but if we read something in here that's contrary to what we think, we've got to humble ourselves in order to see ourselves correctly. Listen to this, the masterpiece. Uh, excuse me, ne next part. God humbly glows in humility of the believer. Right. I love this quote. Right. No matter how ignorant he is, he glows in humility, not shines in Hollywood. It's what he said. Sister, when he talked about, we talk about beauty of the world and beauty of the day, he said, God will beautify the meek with salvation. <laughs> and you ain't going to get to salvation by having pride, arrogance. Oh, I'm a believer. I was raised in the message. That's got nothing to do with it. It's only when you humble yourself. Because, see, God doesn't exercise respects of persons. He doesn't respect the person. He respects their humility. And you don't have to be bride for God to respect you in some regard. Anyone that will humble themselves. Even the least little bit, God will honor their faith. Because God honors faith no matter where it's out, children of God. They don't have to be a message believer. All they've got to do is just humble themselves just a little bit. Now the masterpiece. He don't polish his, capital H-I-S, his with education. He polishes in humility. So after the beater has beat, bang, 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 and all that dross has gone out there, you know the last thing they do after they get done beating, they polish it. So the shine of the bride is the humility of a true Christian. That's your polish. You know what makes you shine like new money? The humility that God applies to your life. Because <laughs> if these things be in you and abound, said Peter, they make you that you can't fall. Well, it's hard to fall when you're already down. Sirs, we'd see Jesus. Two more quotes for the clock watchers and only one sentence each. Don't worry. So God humbles himself. You, you, you want to know where this attribute of humility comes from? The same place joy comes from, the same place shouting comes from, the same thing passion comes from. It comes from the source of all emotion. God. And he became a foot wash flunky. God, the greatest of the greatest, humbled himself down. So if I've got God and he's living inside of me, if God is love and God is also humility, if I've got him here, how could I be an arrogant person? Well, I, I don't say that you won't have arrogant moments or get a little too big for your britches or get too prideful. But to be that all the time habitually as a practice, as a standard of life, it proves something's wrong somewhere. Mm -mm. Then what a fitting way to close this. How can I overcome? Glory. Greatness is humility. Glory. 
Don't forget that, church. I hate to say, but I think we have around the message. We have. Oh, you say we haven't. We have. People get offended if you make an altar call. They get offended if you shout too loud. They get offended if you act like a <laughs> tongue speaking Acts 238 youngin. <laughs> Everything is streamed now and live on Facebook and YouTube. We want everybody to have a straight tie. No sweat rolling down your face. They don't want to put somebody slobbering at the mouth under the influence of the Holy Ghost right on their Facebook story or Instagram clip. Such people like that wouldn't make good social media people. Don't forget that, church. Greatness is expressed in humility. The greatest of the great became the lowest of the low. (laughs) Brother Man said, a great man makes you feel great. You think there's times that God couldn't absolutely wear each one of us out? Those moments when we think, boy, I've got the world by the tail. I'm I'm climbing that ladder. Glory to God. I'm a manifested son, manifested daughter. You think he couldn't just take what you thought that day and wear you out? He could take you and turn you every which way. But what does Jesus do? That a boy. That a girl. That's my son. That's my daughter. He's a chip off the old block. (laughs) Why does he do that? Because God is humble. And he exercises humility. He don't have to praise us, but he does. He don't have to bless us, but he does. What triggers that in him? His own humility. The makeup of his own divine personage makes him so humble that when he is looking at one of his sons and sitting in the chair and he led a dead, ignorant possum. Brother Bram goes through the entire day and sits down in the chair and the Lord said she's been waiting for her turn in the prayer line all day. You know why he said he raised that fish at Dale Holla? To prove that God cares about little insignificant things. How many times have you and I went to him with problems that he could have just laughed off and said, are you kidding me? I've got 50 billion sparrows to feed right now. I've got to make sure the earth don't spin off its axis. I've got to make sure that every single one of you get your blessings this week. And you come to me with your insignificant problems about a boy or a girl or something at your job. and These little tiny things. Don't you know I'm holding the solar system together? He could be like that. But what does he do when you're praying in our most insignificant next to him, most insignificant prayers? Not that you're insignificant or what you're praying is, but next to what he is, what you and I could pray is completely insignificant. What does he do? He comes down. That light Brother Joseph talked about. Brother Ram said he'd come down the upper room. He went to pick that cigarette up and the wind went. Don't smoke or drink or defile your body for I have a work for you to do later. The most insignificant things. He humbles himself to hear what we've got to say and how we feel. 
You know that scripture where Paul says he's able to secure you? You know what that word means in the Greek? It means he feels exactly the same feeling you do. In other words, he's not guessing. He's not surmising. He's not from the outside, Brother Pat, looking in and thinking, hmm, I think maybe they feel. He actually feels the same burden that you feel. He's so great, one wink of his eye and a solar system could be created. He's so powerful, all he'd have to do is exhale and a whole new generation of humans could be created on Mars somewhere. He is so powerful that with the wave of his hand or his finger for that matter, he could wipe 6,000 years of humanity off the map as though it never began. But he's so great that when you come to him over someone that yelled at you at Walmart or somebody mean to you at school or on the job and you go to your little place and you say, Jesus, I'm tired of being bullied at school. That one girl, that one boy is so mean to me. You're talking to a being that literally keeps the earth on its axis. What does he do, Sister Shirley? There, there, my darling. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. (laughs) What is cancer next to a God like that? What is tubercular or COVID or any other disease? What any other problem might be? What is any of that next to a God like that? It is insignificant. It is nothing. But when it comes to his children, he will hush the angels. Y'all quiet down. Surely got something to say. Y'all quiet down. Tabitha's got a prayer coming through. When you see him in this light, it ought to make you go down too. I know it does me. Praise be to God. Many are living an upside down life. So, the answer is, Let's live it downside up. Because you see, real repentance is if you're going in a certain direction, all you've got to do is stop and go the other way. So if you're living upside down, now's the time for you to start living downside up. Let's stand together. Pastor, that was a good sermon. I like that. (laughs) Hey, laugh. He told me Sunday it would be a good sermon to preach. He's right. (laughs) Imagine Jesus, when he come to the age, that human part, cognition and things started kicking in, and he started to understand the world around him. You see, because he didn't come like we did. He didn't bypass that eternal before he came to time. He was there. Uh, He said, glorify me with the glory we had. He just comes straight down to this body right from that. So at 12 years old, Jesus understood fully what his purpose was, his mission. He knew he was virgin born. He knew there was nothing about him that was impure. And he knew what his role would be when God was ready to put him in that place. 
Now, Ma, I wonder what it was like. I've always wondered, always wondered what it was like that first day in school when somebody made fun of him because they heard a rumor about his mother and how he was born. I always wondered, did he stop and close his eyes and think about angels crying, holy, holy? Or did that human part kick in and he felt sorrow and sadness? You see, he was God, but he was also man. And so that eternal part was with him, but that human part was there as well. Do you imagine almost being torn in two as a bridge standing there between heavens and earth and both sides of the chasm pulling? And there he stands right in the middle of it. No wonder he cried and wept and carried on in the garden of Gethsemane until the blood and water separated in his body. Because he knew who he was. But everybody around him, even the ones he loved, was throwing off on him. Watch the real character. Remember, the prophet said the anointing lifted up off of Jesus in Gethsemane. But when he goes to Calvary, the character of humility was still there. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, you don't need an anointing to forgive. You just need his character and his humility. You don't have to be anointed. Hallelujah to God. You don't have to be anointed to forgive that person that wronged you or molested you or lied to you or abused you or done you some manner of evil. All you need is the character and the humility of the Holy Ghost. Because you see in everything Brother Bram ever preached to us, the one thing he kept hammering away at the church about was their lacking of humility. Now you may think, well, Brother Ben, this is a sermon we don't need to hear this. We're far above that. That right there, if you're thinking that way, that proves I should preach this to you. Because true humility in a son and daughter of God, when they hear messages like this, makes them say, Lord, please help me. I may be here, but God, I need to just keep going, going, going. I don't want to stop. I don't want to quit. I want to keep going until I can reach that place that you want me in. I've been in meetings and hear people preach and, you know, and sit in, the, in places where they're eating and hear people say, well, that just wasn't deep. He just didn't go anywhere, did he? Oh, I heard so-and-so preach that 20 years ago. You know, I can understand how they feel in a way, humanly speaking. It may not have been a great service or a greatly anointed service, but true humility teaches us to be content in whatever state that we're in. You can always find something nice to say. No matter where you're at. Oh, you're, some of you are looking at me now. All right, I got a quote for you. You won't say man unless I say Brother Bram said, right? So I'll say it. Brother Bram said there was this one old sister. Said she never said nothing negative. Said everything was always positive. They thought they had rung her bell. They said, all right, what about the devil? Said he's a good adversary. <laughs> You can always find something positive. You don't have to be negative. You don't have to live that way. There's one thing, and there's been many things, but if there's one thing that this ministry here has really affected me, it's this way of being positive. My people are negative to the core, always negative. Everything's negative. Black, 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 dark, 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 devil, 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 into the world, into the world, into the world. And you know when Brother Joseph comes up here positive, that's contagious to me. I become like a junkie. I want more of that. 
And I like being around positive people. Praise the Lord. Because if we've got the right kind of humility, I can do all things and be content in whatever state I'm in. Let's pray together, can we? <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. I can honestly say, Lord, that this certainly didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, but thank you for taking over. Thank you for speaking to us. In my mind, I saw 35 different ways we could have went tonight, but Lord, I'm so glad you're in the driver's seat. You know our needs. And I pray tonight that you won't let this message slip away from us. Let this embed deep in our heart. If we could get this one, Lord, everything we've heard preached for the last month would take root and bedding ground and grow to 30, 60, 100 quicker than we could ever realize it. Because everything we've been hearing preached around here, Lord, it's embedded right to the root of humility. If we humble ourselves, we'll come to church. If we'll humble ourselves, we'll be in the right position. If we'll humble ourselves, we'll find stability. Lord, help us. Help us to come to this place. And if we think we're there, help us kind of wake up a little bit and realize we need to go a different route than what we are. Bless your children in this, I pray. I commit it to you in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, just another moment. How many would like to just say before the Lord, with your raising up of your hands, Lord Jesus, I need help with this tonight. I want to I apply this to me. God bless you with your hands raised and all around the building, my hands are up with you. I, I want help with this. Lord, I, I want to be better. I want to be a better person. I, I want to have a better understanding of how to be this kind of person. Help me be this way in my thoughts, Lord, in my actions, my behaviors, and my interactions with people. Help me to, to put this in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, you see all of our hands now as we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sing something to the mom. Let's worship together a little bit before we go, can we? Oh, when he reached. Hallelujah. How many accept it? How many believe it to be right? You just hold that confession. God will do some great things for you in the coming weeks. Oh, when he say this
Hallelujah. Shalom to the internet audience. May the Lord bless you. Service back here. Sunday morning, regular service. Sunday school. Is all that? 945 is the children's church, right?